You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Jingle bells, Batman spells, Robin, Robin laid an egg. egg. The Batmobile lost its wheel and the Joker took ballet. Maybe we should have done that more in sync with the theme music. I don't know. Before we start, though, we have to listen to this just one time. Oh, God. Here we go. wonder what this show is about tonight. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. We typically try to keep our topic announcements <laughs> till later in the show. We just thought we'd give you a little tease before the proceedings begin. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Little, little tickle around the room before we get into it. Punish. <laughs> this is <Garbage> Real Crime. Day. <laughs> <laughs> this is Real Crime episode number 68. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. ho, ho. Oh boy, we should really have a party for the next show. They call yeah, we him should. Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus. <laughs> well, we should discuss that, Chris. Seriously, let's discuss what we're going to do for the inaugural. Ep- well, not inaugural, but you know, the next Dude, things episode. Are, things could get nasty for episode sixty nine. <laughs> Number sixty nine. Oh my god, I can't wait. It might just be just noises happening, some <laughs> splooshing, some splashing. Oh god. A little gagging noise. Oh. Be like I woke up early the day I died. Just two hours of grunts and groans. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, got a really interesting show tonight. However, Mr. Chris, leading off, you have a, you have a bunch of stuff you want to talk about tonight. So the floor, the floor is all mine. Is all so Christmas. first off, we want to remind everybody it is the Christmas season. When you're doing your shopping, visit projectorscreen.com. Yeah. Also. Use our link on the top of the moviesleuth.com to do your Amazon shopping. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, make sure to visit the Flint Institute of Arts website to check out their weekly film series. So now that I got all of that, that sponsor that, shit out of the way. Well, no, but the, yeah, that, that film series is fantastic, though. I've checked that out. They're I've, doing- <laughs> I've, checked that, I've checked that out. It's really cool. They're visit actually- that. Visit that. Yes. Seriously, it's, it's important. So in news this week. Ridley Scott has officially finished the reshoots for All the Money in the World with Christopher Plummer. Heard about that. And yeah. it's going trailers out. Yeah, and it's going to be released in time for its December 22nd release date. But in relation to that, it's actually going to be screening this week for Golden Globe voters just as planned, which is shocking. 
that they were able to do this in a matter of about three to four weeks mm. to completely cut out all the Kevin Spacey scenes, reshoot everything with Kristen Plum- Christ- Christopher Plummer. His original and, choice, too, by the way. Yeah, and yeah. get it ready for theaters within That's a aggressive, month. aggressive, man. Really aggressive. Mm. That's insane. Ridley Scott also turned 80 this week, if, if memory serves. Or was that last week? I think it was last week. But he also announced that, you know, the next Alien movie is yeah. not going to have aliens yeah, in it. Yeah, I was just so, going to say, like, I, I, I was reading some stuff on that today, and that's kind of a real kick in the groin, in my opinion. Well. It, it, it really is. So was the last movie. Yeah. But it had aliens in it, though. Right. It had an alien. Well, yeah. But it had other cool stuff, though, too. Mm-hmm. If you're into... Oh, here if we you're go. into fingering... Yes, I'll, I'll do the fingering. And I've, you I've blow. tried fighting this fight, and I'm just never going to win. I watched Covenant again last week, and you hate it just as much. I just can't get into it. It doesn't matter. It, no yeah. matter how hard I try to convince myself to like this movie, I can't like it. I actually I, went out and I told myself I was not going to spend money on the Blu-ray, and I spent money on the Blu-ray. I bought it. I bought it. And I still. Don't enjoy this movie. Same. I watched it again and liked it even less than the first time. Like, if you really break it down, it's it's like the Force Awakens of the the Alien series, and that it's repeating all the beats of the first movie. And that's all it really is. And that's not a knock on the Force Awakens; just an observation. And for what it's worth, Force Awakens, in its ways, an infinitely better film than Alien. Oh, it is an infinitely better movie. Way better. Yeah. 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 Um. On that note, The Last Jedi is being released next week. I luckily get to see it Monday night. Fuck you. I'm erect already. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the sexual allegations continue to flow from Hollywood. What's the latest uh, one? Danny here's, our Mas- Jerry, here's our yeah, here's our tabloid Dan- edition of the show. I know Danny Masterson for a little bit. Yeah, Danny Masterson was fired from Netflix, the Netflix series The Ranch today over sexual allegations, which this has been kind of floating out yeah, there for a little was, yeah, bit. Today was his last day. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah okay. Yeah, they right. can disaster. I and, heard about it for a bit. Yeah. It's just fucking crazy, dude. Hmm. It's like if you're a man in any type of power in Hollywood right now, man, like it's just coming out all over the place. But you know what? I mean, I really want to think that because we we all we all agree that this behavior is despicable, disgusting. Absolutely. There's no excuse for it. But I really believe that there is still a. I would think there's even a larger population in Hollywood of men who who, who walk the line. You know, I they agree. Don't, they don't pull mm-hmm. that shit. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what's being what's being portrayed now? And I mean, we've it's not like it's anything new. We've all everybody's kind of had this vision of Hollywood, like you know, well, it's where the men can just bang anything they want because you know right. they're in the power or whatever. Um, and I don't think that's true. I mean, yeah, it's true in some ways, in some aspects, with some people, but not everybody. The stuff about uh, gay sexual assault and pedophilia in Hollywood—that's been the real. Uh, that's scary. That's been the real scary uh, revelation of this whole thing. I mean, the stuff about mistreating women in Hollywood's been known for a long time. This is this new stuff is, you know, it's alien to me. Well, I actually heard a re- they were talking about this at length on NPR this morning, mm-hmm. and they had a person on there that was discussing all the sexual stuff that's coming out. And he's like, you know, Harvey Weinstein will actually be given us another chance. He said in about three years, Weinstein will come back. He'll make more connections with new people. And somehow he will come out of all this. And he said numerous other actors and actresses um, will 
they'll find a way to come out of this by making public apologies and all that. But he said Kevin Spacey is the one character who's done. Yeah. There will not be any reprieve for him because all these other people, it had to do with adults and the fact that Spacey's whole thing was with a child. Yeah. That yeah. he will not recover from this, that there will not be a second chance, that his mm. career is functionally over there was at a, this point. There was a story that cropped up, I think today, where Gabriel Byrne was talking about working with him on The Usual Suspects, and apparently production was shut down for two days because he had sexually assaulted a young actor, and they didn't use those terms on set, but people figured it out, and people would joke, oh, that's just Kevin, and he didn't realize the full kill, extent. Kill, 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 Yeah, he didn't realize the full extent of his uh, abuses until many years later. But yeah, even on the usual suspects, this shit was going on. Yep. And then in relation to all of this, Brian Singer has been fired from Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen biopic that was mm -hmm. supposed to be coming out. Mm -hmm. And today his offices at Fox were completely shut down. They were totally removed from the Fox lot. Oh, wow. So he was not only fired from the Freddie Mercury movie, they removed him from Fox. He is no longer part of that production company. He's he's going down. He's next. You well, know, all we've heard for years. Well, the question all the... I have, though, is has anybody been arrested yet? No. No. There's been no arrest yet. No, but... I, mean, I, already, mean, I was rhetorical. I already fucking knew the answer to it. Yeah. Uh, but nobody's going to be arrested for, you know, sexual acts against women or adults because technically they're not fully breaking the law but they're just doing something that's morally wrong it's morally well, a lot, of them, a lot yeah. of them fall outside of the statute of limitations is the thing they need to in order to make an arrest they need to pin a case on on one of these characters that falls within the statute of limitations and so far right. most of them have fallen outside of it it's so. insane yeah i've never seen anything like this it's so really scary it mm. is Moving on from the National Enquirer edition of our news stories, uh, Baby Driver is officially getting a sequel. They're writing it right now, which will be really cool because that movie definitely deserves a sequel. That movie is a blast. Has everybody here seen it? I have not yes. seen it. I didn't see it. Yes. I'm going to give you a copy of it tonight I to finally check picked out. it up the okay, other day. thank you. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm not sure what's going on, but I think there might be a little more sexual allegations going on because Christ, John man. Travolta's Gotti movie has been dropped from Lionsgate 10 days before release, and they've not said why yet. Well, there's been stories about Travolta for years, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they gave no details. They just said the film has been officially knocked off of the schedule 10 days before it's supposed to premiere. Kind of mm -hmm. crazy. So... We will find out, I guess. Yeah, we will. Um, in new release this week, uh, new releases this week, I can't talk. The Shape of Water is expanding to national release. I, Tanya, which I've seen, and it's fucking amazing. Probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. Goes into limited release, and uh, The Disaster Artist is also going to wide release this week. Mm -hmm. So. Outstanding. I want to see The Disaster Artist. Me too. I have to see that. The thing is, I wonder how many people who are going to see The Disaster Artist have seen The Room, because I feel like with that film, you kind of need to know The Room before going in, or else it, it won't have the same uh, the same vibe about it. I think this is going to be the same thing as like when The Doors movie came out. A lot of younger people hadn't seen The Doors, 
But after they saw the movie, they really got into listening to the music. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those types of things. Well, The Room has become a cultural meme. Yeah. It really has. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, I mean, I agree with you 100%, Andrew. I, I, I think it would add to the viewing of this film. I, mean, I think most people have just seen YouTube clips of it. And well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sat through it. Right. I mean, it's one thing to see snippets of it. It's another to experience it in the theater with an audience clapping during the sex scenes and throwing plastic spoons at the screen during <laughs> key moments, uh, chanting, go, go, go. Every time the camera pans across <laughs> the golden gate bridge and, and one of the latest screenings that I went to, uh, when Tommy Wiseau and, uh, Greg Zestero are playing football. They not only ca- counted every catch, but people actually threw footballs in the theater. Oh my god! Yeah, that's so, amazing. So, like, you know, I feel like you kind of need to at least have a taste of that experience once before diving into the oh, disaster right. artist. You're right. You're so, right. I don't know, but I think this is going to uh, raise awareness of the room quite a bit. Oh God! And yeah. Tommy's going to make millions upon millions more dollars off mm. of, yeah. you know, new releases of that movie. There's going to be special editions. There's going to be all kinds of crazy shit coming out. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, he released the Blu-ray himself through his own company. Yeah. Um, and he did do some new interviews for it, but he did this show called The Neighbors, and he played the pilot for it at the last main art screening where I got to meet him. And it was awful. The whole audience geared up for the room, sat through it, dead silent, did not know what to make of it. <laughs> and Entertainment Weekly gave it an F. Oh, nice. God. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's just a strange person. Very, yep. very strange person. He also did some YouTube show called The Tommy Wee Show where <laughs> he was abducted by aliens and forced to play video games, and he, he's playing Dead Space 2, and he's like, yeah, this is dumb, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is dead on arrival. <laughs> oh, my it's God. Nowhere near as funny as he thinks it is. So, I don't know. I agree. Maybe he'll make more money off of the disaster artist, but he's tried other projects after it, and they didn't go anywhere. All he needs is this one, though. You know, yeah. if he can just keep selling copies of the room, from what I understand, he's a multimillionaire from that movie alone. Yeah, from touring and you know supporting the showings of that one movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One shit. Movie. Well, he does the main art at least once a year. He comes to the main art. I think he's done it, it twice this year now. Oh, I'm really? Pretty sure. Yeah. And of course, the music box. He's always there, and so. But when they were screening the room nationwide, you know, to promote the disaster artist, I thought, is there going to be any plastic spoon tossing, or people just going to be sitting in the theater watching it like any other movie because they don't know the. I think they're just going to be sitting there watching the movie. Yeah, they're just going to be watching it. All right. So in suggested viewings for this week, since we're going to be talking about a few Christmas horror movies, my suggested viewing this week is Better Watch Out, which is a really cool kind of twisted horror flick that's available. I believe it's on Netflix now. I saw it a few weeks ago. It's really, really good. So check out Better Watch Out. Andrew. Andrew. Does it need to be Christmas related? No, it can be whatever you want. Okay, last night I watched the the Arrow video Blu-ray of JD's Revenge, and I highly recommend that one. It was it looked like it was going to be like Abby, the the exploitation Exorcist ripoff, and I was surprised how much it was a classy horror film that really tried to deal with the subject of sexual abuse and how it. It tried to deal with the idea of 
demonic possession as a gateway to unfinished business ghost stories, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It uh, it wasn't like any other demonic possession horror film I've seen. It was completely in its own league, and it was it was neither really a horror film or a black exploitation film. It was kind of in its own unique league by mixing these disparate genres together. So I recommend JD's Revenge. It's on Blu-ray. Cool. What do you got for us, Scott? Oh, I got a twosie. Mm. Now, uh, Raul gave me the Terry Kath experience, A Daughter's Journey, this week to review, and I'm glad he did. I'm not a big Chicago fan. We were talking about this briefly before the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a big Chicago fan. Um, however, and I said this in my review, I'm like, you know, a really great docu- like music documentary, whether it's on a band or whatever it might be, uh, will be something that's going to inspire you to really go, in this case, look at the catalog of a band's work or an artist's work, namely Terry Kath from this uh, documentary. And, you know, while I, I've already said that I'm not a Chicago fan, I'm probably going to become one pretty quick here because this movie really got me into the music of their stuff. I, I remember hearing Chicago growing up, and I was like, man, there's too many horns, man. I can't deal with this shit. <laughs> mm, yeah. But it works now because I'm older. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I was really getting into the music as I was watching this documentary. Fantastic. Really, you know, real heart-wrenching documentary, too. So highly recommend that if you're a Chicago fan or even if you're not a Chicago fan. Check out the Terry Kath Experience, uh, A Daughter's Journey. Sounds like it has the power to turn a non-fan into a fan. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's it, you know, I think that's what it's going to do for me. I'm going to be listening to a lot of Chicago this week, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to understand that the discography and the music which is what i like doing with these things mm-hmm. i like i mean i don't want to run on with this too long but that I, I like doing these you know the music docs for a reason i mean there's a lot of stuff that i've watched that i'm you know it's stuff that i'm familiar with but i've found myself gravitating more towards documentaries about artists and bands that i don't know anything about because you know you really learn something that mm-hmm. well i was never a fan of the eagles i'm still really not a fan of the eagles but i watched that four oh, hour documentary yeah. on the eagles mm-hmm. and it's one of the most Beautiful. interesting things i've ever seen yeah and you really kind of understand their personalities a lot more where they were always like you know glenn fry and don henley are like total assholes and they're yeah. pricks and blah 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 you could actually really see how they developed their art through that movie yeah. and now i'm not really an eagles fan but i can appreciate yeah even if you don't more, like it you're, gonna, you're gonna appreciate it more so that, that that's a great documentary to see so i highly highly recommend that so we're talking about some christmas horror movies tonight and we know there's a ton of them out there but we're not gonna be able to hit on all of them so we're gonna concentrate on quite a few and throw in an extra few here or there yeah just yeah, to kind of fill yeah. this out a little bit so the first you're one, dri- you're driving the bus on this one. Yeah, I fuck yeah. this up every week when I bring my list in. So <laughs> we're we're gonna go with you this week. The first one that it's probably the first real Christmas horror movie I ever saw. Yeah, and one that we can probably actually talk about here for quite a bit is Gremlins. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this is it. It's horror at the core. Still has that like Spielberg type feel to it, but. It's a horror movie at the mm. core. Um, well, the nostalgia factor on this is like just through the roof, man. I don't know anybody in our age bracket that just wasn't like attached to this film when it came out. I mean, it was just one of those ones. I mean, come on, the freaking uh, oh my god, Gizmo, Gizmo. Um, 
I mean, that's the cutest thing ever made. Microwave. It's, Microwave. A, it's the cutest thing ever made. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, really. Microwave. Th- Microwave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Howie Man. Thanks to Howie Mandel. Right, come on. You you really. I mean, that 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 creature was the cutest thing I think any of us had ever seen. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. really think of anything that was really that looked like that, like Gizmo, as far as a character, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole premise of. Uh, the idea that these cute furry little creatures um that they could turn into these horrific monsters was yeah it's great premise for a horror movie um, yeah it, it and it was a real surprise i mean how that unfolded because you're like well okay he's got this cute little and we all wanted one of those things like oh with fucking that, that like, well oh. we all wanted one unless mm-hmm. we fed them after midnight fed them after midnight or dumped them in water you yeah. know because yeah. then you know well they multiply with water I just remember seeing this movie in the theaters the first time and just being amazed. I mean, the, the visual effects to this day still oh, it looks, it looks hold so up. Good. They look great. Goddamn microwave scene. Oh, that God, was one of those movies, another one of those Spielberg productions, including Poltergeist and then finally Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that really tested the waters as far as the gap between PG and R. They all got PG ratings, but the MPA for a long time... Uh, slapped gremlins with an r over the microwave scene you're referring to yeah that well that was really gory that was really disturbing mm-hmm. um i remember roger ebert joked in his review um, what if a kid sees that and decides to stick a cat in the microwave <laughs> see if the same thing happens well it's true i mean it, i mean kids are impressionable and that movie was geared towards young children it really was it was geared towards young children but there are so many horrific elements in this movie like when she's talking about how her dad dude died fucking, you, yeah you read yeah. my mind i mean oh seriously god, i remember dude. hearing that for the first time and we noticed kid, like, the smell yeah like, what yeah yeah, the, yeah the dad got caught in yeah. the chimney trying to be santa claus and that's how she found out there's no santa claus that's yeah. that's a very it's, it's horrifying story. thing to hear when you're a child mm-hmm. and it is it's still kind of amazing that they snuck these things yeah into a movie that we thought was geared towards children and then it just goes balls out fucking crazy with the gremlins taking over the town and people are brutalized Mm. in this in in the town by the gremlins deserve their fates like mrs deagle definitely deserved her fate polly holiday as Mm -hmm. the as the old miserly woman of the town that had a very early Corey feldman in it too yes yeah it did and it also had a delicious Phoebe Cates in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> who was the one who told the, the horror story about there being no Santa Claus. I um, really wish she would come back and visit me in my house on Christmas <laughs> Day. It's funny, because like whole, the whole chimney thing you're talking about, um, it seems so feasible when we were children. Because mm-hmm. we've we heard the story of Santa yeah, Claus, yeah, uh, and like when Santa Claus came down the chimney, that was just like the rule, right? Um, Santa Claus came down the chimney at my parents' house, and we didn't even have a goddamn chimney. <laughs> so yeah, it all seems so feasible. Um, and now I, you know, we were just talking about chimneys before the show here about chimney at my house, and I looked down that thing, and I'm like, who the hell's gonna fit down that thing? Right, now, it's just a little house. He uses summer. magical dust though. One thing. Oh, oh, okay. One thing that <laughs> Gremlins used really effectively is how it took popular Christmas songs that were so beloved and everybody remembered them fondly and used them ironically for horror. Like 
uh, Johnny Mathis, Do You Hear What I Hear, comes on. And the only reason we know it comes on the soundtrack is because one of the gremlins downstairs turned the record player on. Yeah, right, yeah. So right. that, that creates unease. But all we're doing is hearing the track as is. We're hearing this beloved Christmas track, but it's creating tension and unease within the viewer. And playing over a scene that's horrifying, that's mm-hmm. scary. And mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be scary at all. Mm-hmm. And and it goes back to being funny again. Like they use a lot of cartoon sounds. They do that even more in Gremlins too, with all the Looney Tunes Jeez. sound effects. Yup, yup. I suppose they should have known that this wasn't going to be for kids, given that it was from the director of Piranha and yeah, it was Dante, correct? And the Howling, yeah, Joe Dante, who sadly is he did oh he did dropped the, off the map. The Howling. He also did the Howling and Piranha. And uh, he did the segment in Twilight Zone, the movie with the little boy who has all the all the powers. Oh, dude, I, that's one of my favorite parts oh, of that man. movie. Yeah, yeah. Holy you can crap. tell that that's from the guy who did Gremlins watching it because it has a similarly zany, could it be a cartoon for kids, could it be a horror film for adults kind of a tightrope walk that it treads. I mean, it's totally effed up that they did take, you know, these cute little furry creatures, spin them into these evil lizard-like little gremlins, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. base it all around christmas mm-hmm. yeah like how bad is that like your christmas is fucked now the guy, because the gremlins are coming for you the guy who wrote the guy who wrote it created the characters chris columbus as they would have it years later would direct the first two home alone movies oh that's right chris columbus which home well, alone's it, a horror movie in itself well, in a way yeah well i mean it's a home invasion movie it's interesting before i it, pump your guts full of lead yeah. It's interesting that, you know, and I didn't know there was that tie, uh, but if you look at how both those films kind of move, though, they still, they do have that kind of, you know, in Home Alone, you, you're you you're defeating evil, you know, kind of the zaniness, all these goofy things that happen, and you see the same type of stuff that happens in, in Gremlins. It's a little bit more horrific in Gremlins. It's more yeah, Home, Home Alone is pretty violent too, though. Yeah, that's has, what I'm saying. It's got that same, but it's got that same zaniness, that madcap type thing. With Gremlins, it's a little more realistic. Like people actually get hurt, and granted, they do in Home Alone as well. But it's got more of a Laurel and Hardy or Three Stooges sort of a comic vibe to it, where they get the shit kicked out of them, but they dust themselves off and and get up for more. Their yeah. hair standing up on end, or their face is all dirty or something. Yeah, and they just run away but so, it very cartoony you know we watch home alone almost every christmas at some point in realistically it it is a type of horror movie i mean a child is left home by himself to his own devices Which is her, yeah and these evil people are trying to break into his house seeking to harm him yeah. and you've got the whole we find out later that you know that none of it's true but you've got the old man with the shovel they keep playing that for scares, and uh, then he's afraid of the, the the fireplace in the basement. That yeah, the fireplace is trying to eat him or something. Or the other. wood burner in the basement. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So they definitely have some horror elements, and he gets scared playing the the movie within a movie, Angels yeah. with Filthier Souls or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> yeah, because like whenever we watch that every year, I'm like, this is a lot scarier. Yeah. Than. Really, it well, should it's more be more realistic horror, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know it's ca- it's comedy. It's, it's comedy. for families, 
but Dark, you know darker it's there is really a creepiness dark. to it definitely daniel stern and pesci together dude yeah. they are some fucking creepers yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some serious creepers sorry right. gremlins we we beat the shit out of gremlins uh what else you got on your list there mr chris <clears throat> silent night deadly night which <laughs> spawned many many sequels but this is another one for me that is on repeat every year at Christmas time, the original. This is like perfection of mixing exploitation with slasher with holiday cheer and rape. I mean, what more could you want from it, Christmas? It pissed everybody off when it came out. It was, oh, it, yes. It was really controversial when it came out, cause, especially because of the poster. The image of Santa Claus uh, coming up out of the chimney with an axe, axe. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People were not happy about that movie when it came out. And funny thing was that there were a lot of people that ganged up on it that wound up getting involved in the sequels. Like Mickey Rooney was bashing bashing the first movie in the press, and I think he wound up playing the villain in part four or five. Yes, he did. Years later, way to eat your words, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's like it's corny, it's cheesy in a lot of spots, but there's some real brutality in this one too. Mm-hmm. Like the slaughter of the parents and the rape scene at the beginning on the side of the road. Yeah. Like that is really uh, it's pretty nasty. And doesn't Santa the guy dressed in Santa Claus outfit? rape the main character's mom in front of him or something yeah so basically no well i mean we're not going to spoil at this point his parents are killed he ends up being sent to a foster home and um is you know mistreated by the nun that runs the foster home and then as he becomes an adult he ends up working at a store and starts fucking killing people because he's crazy Mm mm-hmm it's you know it follows many typical slasher tropes, but again, it's very exploitation based too. Mm. I love this movie. I hate to say it, but it's I love so it. So many years since I've seen this flick. Yeah, hard to say which one I prefer, it or the sequel, because the sequel's so funny. The sequel's or, funny, but they switch who plays the main character too, and they repurpose a majority of footage from the first movie. Yeah, too, which is pretty lazy, but there you have it. But I think they, I think the nun character, I can't remember what her name is right now. I believe that she comes back. I'm almost mm. positive it's the same lady playing her. Mm. So Silent Night, Deadly Night. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just remember in part two him pulling a gun out on some dude and saying, Garbage Day. Yeah. And- Shooting him dead. Yep. And there's another part near the end where he's about to axe somebody to death, dressed as Santa Claus. He's got the axe over his head, and he exclaims, Moo! I shit you not. He actually says that line. The only one that I have on Blu-ray is the first one because, like I said, it's one of my favorite horror movies. Mm-hmm. So if we want to move on from this one, I think another great Christmas horror movie is Black Christmas. Oh, yeah. So I haven't seen that one. Definitely. This, you know, it's basically, takes place at college, right? It's a sorority house, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cure Dulier, I think, doesn't he play the killer in it? I believe so. The actor who played Dave Bowman in 2001. Yes. 
And this is by, this, the, you'll find this interesting, it's from Bob Clark, who years later would direct A Christmas Story. That's right. I forgot about that. And it has all the techniques that you've come to expect from him. Like, remember the wide-angle shot mm-hmm. in A Christmas Story where Ralphie's sitting on his lap and the camera's spinning around? There's, oh! There's a shot like that in Black Christmas where the killer's climbing up a hedge on the side of the house with Christmas lights, and it's in that same kind of wide angle point of view shot so you can tell it's the same director it just the genres are different one is you know family comedy the other's horror well this was remade also i still think the original is probably the better of the two but the remake is not bad now what's funny is the guy that you said kier kier dulier yes he's in it in the original olivia Mm -hmm. hussey is in it margot Mm. kidder john saxon like this is like awesome casting yeah yeah totally it's been a while since i've seen this one too but this was probably another movie that was one of the originators of the slasher genre this came before like halloween and this came before friday the 13th oh almost a decade before yeah yeah and this kind of uh those movies were based a lot on what happened in this movie so Mm -hmm. but yeah black christmas is awesome all right, somebody else throwing out there. Andrew? Uh, this is going to be pretty obvious to everyone. Krampus. All right. Didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm not, I'm not being a dick. Why did you like it, Andrew? Um, well, besides it being um, in similar vein to Gremlins, you know, it being a holiday horror comedy of sorts, I thought it was a good fable. I thought it, it had something to say you know, about being grateful for the things you have in life even if christmas for some people getting together with family members is a headache because of everybody's differences i kind of like that vibe that it had um i liked the psycho killer gingerbread man and uh and uh i heard that the director of krampus is slated to direct the remake of gremlins which we that's what i heard too i think he's a good fit for it what do you think, Chris? I have not watched this movie yet, so Krampus? I cannot comment. Nope. It's a brutal film, too. I mean, there was yeah, there was a lot of comedic elements, like you were saying, Andrew, mm-hmm. but it did have some, you know, and some of the special effects, I mean, they were practical. Um, one of the ones that sticks out in my mind is when they're actually out in the street mm-hmm. and the cars are just being shot up. They're just kind of, I mean, and we've seen that a million times. Yeah. Uh, but in the context... I thought it was very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a movie that Amber wanted me to watch, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I thought it was cool. I, 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 it was all right, but I just, I didn't like it that much. I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't. And you know, as far as, uh, how do I, I say this without without being? Well, go ahead. Oh, I just I saw it in the theater when it came out, and uh, I liked it so much. I went back for more. It, um, I think it's a good holiday horror comedy. Not quite as good as Gremlins, but it's spoken of the same breath. And uh, the idea of Krampus has existed for years. There haven't really been any serious attempts at trying to make a movie out of it. Well, it was one of those things that, I mean, it's, I mean, it, that's one thing I noticed with, with this movie is it did raise awareness for something that has always been there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's always been stories. I've read plenty of articles and stuff over the years that, you know, not that this is related all that much, but, you know, 
the real Santa Claus, like the historical fabled Santa Claus, was not nearly as jolly mm-hmm. <laughs> as how he's made out to be now by by our friends well, at the Coca-Cola company. Well, in uh, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas, we actually get a glimpse of that Santa Claus you're referring to, the yeah. creepy, violent Santa Claus that will beat the living shit out of non-believers with a cane before going ho, ho, ho. This actually happens in Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Yeah. Kirk Cameron is a horror story himself. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck you, Kirk Cameron. <laughs> but Krampus did raise that uh, that kind of awareness of that. Not like it's something, it's some movement we have to be a part of now. But after that movie, I noticed, you know, a lot of stuff was coming. You know, you were seeing more things being put out there. Well, the history of this, the history of that. People were actually getting interested in this fable. Um, so that's kind of a cool re- result of that. Uh, just didn't blow my mind, though. It just wasn't, you know, I'm a dick. I thought it was fun. What can I say? I'm Sometimes a- all it has to be is fun, though. No. You know? Seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, that Krampus. That was Krampus, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> Tip your bartenders. So, Andrew, earlier, you know, I'm looking at a couple other Christmas horror lists here, and I did see an, one that you mentioned earlier pop up, Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. 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 That's, that's definitely a horror film. I don't care what anyone says. Eyes Wide Shut is terrifying. Um, it happens to be set during the holidays to, you know, exploit all the surreal Christmas lights. There's a eerie sort of... Uh, dichotomy going on between the wholesomeness of Christmas and the uh, the depravity of the underworld which the main character continues to immerse himself in um, even the ending takes place at an FAO Schwartz spoiler free mm-hmm. it takes place in FAO Schwartz you know they're they're shopping you know there's Christmas music playing and it hits you with this this final note that you're really not sure how to take and it, it transcends the holiday it takes place in. But I definitely remember that being a horror film that uh, happened to take place during the holidays. I absolutely adore eyes wide shut. I've probably watched this movie 50 times. Same. And I think it's, you know, a great end note to Kubrick's career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. The character development in the story is amazing and honestly, I really like uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, he's this is one. This is one of his best performances, I think, mm-hmm. because he's not playing your typical Tom Cruise character. He's not running anywhere. <laughs> he's you know not. It's not a sci-fi movie. He's an actual living, breathing person mm-hmm. in this movie, and I love it. And I love Nicole Kidman too. Mm-hmm. She uh, she triggers the whole thing and might have more uh, more behind those eyes than uh, than she's telling. Like at the beginning of the movie, I think the infamous uh, aristocratic satanic orgy. I think they hint more than once throughout the movie that she may herself have been involved in one of those gatherings, and it it just builds that much more uh, unease every time Tom Cruise is around her in the film. And she's so beautiful in this movie, too. Mm. 100%. So, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> Scrooge. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, yeah, we talked about that earlier. Visited by three ghosts. This mm. is, I, I've seen some pretty scary versions of Scrooge in my day. 
you know yes yeah. there's some animated ones and there's some goofy ones mm-hmm. but like i can't what's the, one of the older black and white ones there's one by with alistair sim from the mid 50s that was a british production um there's so many back in that day I'm, it'd be difficult to pick them out but that's the most well-known one from that era but yeah i mean this is a very kind of scary story that you're going to be revisited by three spirits they're basically going to fuck you up mm-hmm. all well, night long. It raises a lot of questions. The story itself raises a lot of, you know, questions on, you know, what would it be like if I wasn't here? I mean, I don't know any other nice way to say it, right? It's a Wonderful uh, Life definitely tackled that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, but, you know, the, the, the thought, and that's what the story itself where it puts people at and where you know, where Scrooge is at mm-hmm. by himself in his bed being visited by spirits. I don't know of too many things that would terrify people even more, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, these spirits, while they're while they're macabre and they're dark in their own right, they are trying to help this man, mm-hmm. right? They care about this man. They love this man. So there's a horrific element to this that's terrifying. Right. Where any of us, if if you were to think of any of us were to if I was Scrooge, if you were Scrooge, Chris or anybody. Right. How would you respond to a situation like that? If you were in bed, get ready to jerk off to go to sleep. (laughs) And here comes a fucking spirit to go. Hey, dude, you're fucking Mm -hmm. you're fucking it up. You're blowing it. Right. Um, Your initial reaction. You're going to shit your pants. You're going to freak out. Right. Um, We've watched enough ghost films to be programmed uh, where. The idea of being confronted by a spirit will scare you to half to death. So there, there's also some adaptations of A Christmas Carol and Scrooge that you were referring to that are more frightening than others for some of the deviations they make. Notably, the Ronald Neem adaptation with Albert Finney as Scrooge. Uh, he's confronted with his his headstone by the Ghost of Christmas Future. I remember but that. In, but in this version. Uh, he looks and sees that it's a big hole where the headstone should be. He turns around and the ghost of Christmas future is a skeleton with his arms outstretched. And you hear the organ blaring when he turns around. It just makes your hair stand on end. And he falls back screaming down and down and down and down into hell until like you see the ground becoming brighter beneath him. And he actually does end up in hell. And it's a whole hell sequence with, you know, the the cave rocks and the yeah. uh, you know the the demons covered in sweat carrying Scrooge's mile long chain um another frightening one is the George C. Scott version which doesn't really send him to hell per se but the ghost of christmas future and the opening uh interlude with uh with well not interlude interaction with jacob marley is particularly creepy in the george c scott version because they use a lot of industrial sounds as he's ascending the stairs and a lot of disembodied voices and echoes which really watching it when i played the game silent hill 2 the survival horror game i couldn't help but think of george c scott scrooge when the main character is ascending these empty stairs it's totally dark and there's these really eerie sounds coming at him from all angles well i even remember like when my kids saw the disney animated version that was out a few years ago i think jim carrey 
played was he Scrooge in that? He was. He was. I remember my two oldest kids being kind of young when that came out, and they were frightened. They yeah. were scared. Like that's not that's not a fun movie to watch, Dad. This mm-hmm. is scary. I don't want to see stuff about yeah. ghosts coming to visit me at night. Tell me about everything I've done wrong. I thought they kind of overdid it to some degree. Also, like, didn't it have a skeletal Santa Claus? With yes, his it had. Coming out? It had all kinds of very, very scary things in it. Yeah. So Scrooge, Christmas Carol. That is definitely a horrifying. Yeah. Movie. Um, Scrooge, you can make the argument also, even though it's a comedy with Bill Murray, the the first ghost that he meets, it's pretty scary. You know, he's holding him outside of the window, and his his wrist is mm-hmm. breaking off. Yeah. yeah, that was that was pretty creepy from what I remember. And the Ghost of Christmas Future, the way it's in an elevator, and it's like a ghostly television televised image of Bill Murray's face with a skull behind it. I remember that being pretty creepy. All right. <laughs> You're like, all right. <laughs> so what else What else we got in the way um, of holiday horror? Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's technically, it's not really horror horror, but it's musical comedy, but there are definitely horror elements to it, correct? Yeah. Oh, totally. I think when uh, Jack is delivering all the, Jack Skellington is delivering all the presents and the kid holds up a severed head. Yeah. Like, stuff like that is creepy. But. I mean, it's Tim Burton, so you're always going to get some horror and some genre elements to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that one, you know, it's not straight horror by any means, but it's got the elements there for sure. I think it was a real game changer, too, for, for a lot of people uh, the night before Christmas. There's people I know when that originally came out that they watched that every month still. Oh yeah, my, my sister is one of them. For example, she worships that film. That and she just never stops watching it. Um, I never really asked her why, but she has more Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise or collectibles around her house. It's it's insane. She's a huge fan of that movie. Um, I've, seen, I've seen it a handful of times, and I don't know if it's just my thing. Uh, beautifully done. Well, uh, not technically in the horror genre um but it's directed by tim burton and it's a bit of a stretch you could make the argument that batman returns falls into this category as well i saw that on some lists yeah of christmas horror films yeah because it's gothic horror the opening uh segment of the penguin's birth and how he was cast into the icy waters with the penguins and and even the feel of it is very like Nightmare Before Christmas. I'd almost consider it to be a companion piece to Nightmare Before Christmas in some ways. A lot of what he does is very repetitious, Burton. Mm-hmm. A lot of themes carry over mm-hmm. from film to film to yeah. film, like Johnny Depp. <laughs> Uses the same actor in every movie. Yeah. 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 Edward Scissorhands also kind of is a holiday sort of got That's fable. true. That's true. The guy likes setting uh, gothic fables in Christmas for some reason. Hmm. So what about Jack Frost? I've only seen this movie one time. Oh, the straight-to-video thing? Yeah, it released in 97 about uh, the killer that basically gets uh, transposed or transformed into a killing snowman that uses his nose to kill people. I just remember seeing... <laughs> now I never remember why I didn't see this. Yeah. I just remember seeing a poster image of 
of uh, a snowman. Well, it wasn't a poster movie. It was on the back of the VHS box. A snowman in the shower with a naked woman. Like, really? How does that even even work? Yeah. That don't make no sense. So. Why would you do that? Why? Why? No, no. Because why not, I guess. So Try yeah. anything. I mean, really, if you think about it, Santa Claus, like, is kind of scary. That's kind of horrific in general. Mm. This dude's going to come down your chimney and bring you presents. Mm. That freaks me out. I remember being a kid and actually being scared that, like, Santa Claus is going to come into my room and, like, well touch me my favorite one of my favorite childhood stories <laughs> jesus christ you just made you just made him into a pedo way to go dude santa claus is a pedo um oh. on that thread chris um yeah i had this fear of santa claus also right uh you know my parent and not really because of santa claus because of my parents put this into my brain when i was very young and they said look if if you're out of your bed in the middle of the night and Santa Claus sees you out of your bed, then he's going to take all the presents away. You're not going to get any presents for Christmas, right? And this one particular year, I was very young. Um, I'm laying in bed in the middle of the night, and I got to pee. And I'm like, well, if I get up out of bed and Santa Claus happens to see me going to go pee, then I'm not going to get any presents. Pretty solid kid logic, right? So what do you do in a situation like that? You piss the bed. It's as simple <laughs> as that, right? You piss the bed. So I piss the bed. My parents wake me up bright and early the next morning, and they say, hey, what, what, what is this? You pissed the bed. What's wrong with you? And I said, well, you said I couldn't get out of bed. Because if Santa saw me, I wouldn't get any presents. So I trumped their card that one time when I was very young. But there, but that, there's that, the point is, is there is some kind of fear there right mm-hmm. uh what your parents instilled to you in you um santa claus drank beer too when i was younger he he would drink a beer in my house i don't, I don't get that I, I didn't get that when i was younger <laughs> but uh yeah he, i'd always find an empty beer can at the table with well he's left milk and cookies out for the guy well yeah that too but there was a beer there sometimes also so santa would have a beer in the middle of the night uh that character itself and I guess there—that's the reason that if you look at Christmas horror lists, um, there's a lot of there really is a lot of movies. There, there's a ton of movies that have, around Christmas horror, um, namely around this Santa Claus character. Because, and I find it interesting, even though—and I'll say I haven't seen a, the bulk of them, just because um, I just I don't know. Christmas horror is something that's like okay, it's just yeah, it's yeah. very it's, niche. It's kind, it's kind of weird. Yes. Yeah, you know. It's um, very niche. It's only now starting to gain more popularity. Yeah. But when it was first introduced with, uh, well, first introduced to the mainstream, I should say, with uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, people rejected it. It took time for it to catch on. As well, because I don't think people genre. like the idea of we're turning this. Well, there you go. This that, yeah. innocent character that sneaks in through your chimney using magic. They're turning this innocent character <laughs> into. Something evil, a murderer, a slasher, a killer. Yeah. You know? So I think that kind of freaks a lot of people out. Well, it shits all over your childhood. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it really does. Because, I mean, a young child, the the whole year revolves around Christmas. Kids are impressionable. They don't don't need to have that... uh, Have that ruined for them. Right. The whole year revolves around Christmas, like I said. So, you know... 
so well, I, get I want the this. Out. Well, you'll get it for Christmas. You so know? I get the outcry, but at the same time, I think you know things like Krampus, even though I know you don't like it, or some of the other horror films we mentioned. There can be a valuable uh, lesson to be gained from them. That's not just pure shock and awe. No, I'm sure that yeah, there, I I know there's stuff in there that you can you can get from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the whole Santa Claus character and this juxtaposition of murderer or some type of evil, horrible thing that's this man that this this character is doing mm-hmm. now. That's what screws people up, right? Mm-hmm. And it is a disturbing thought. I'm like, I, I don't know. Well, I, you're I, you're uh, turning something that's supposed to be peaceful and about giving and sharing into. A jolly old man, a jolly old man, in rape, in pure nastiness. Mm -hmm. A jolly old man, a jolly old man now wants to kill you. Merry fucking Christmas. Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Another one I saw a few years ago. While it's not necessarily a Christmas horror movie revolving around Santa or Krampus or anything like that, it's this movie called ATM, not ass to mouth. But mm-hmm. it's actually about an. That wasn't what at I the thought. moment. I know that's what both of you guys were thinking. I saw both of you smile as soon Asked as I saw mouth. it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, oh boy, oh. oh. He knows. You know my fixations. Yes, I do. I got all excited. It's it, called Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it's called ATM. No, who it is, is it? Ba- it's like I'll Christmas Eve. Booth, whatever that. Other yeah. Name, sorry. But it's about like an ATM booth where people go in and they get trapped inside, and there's a killer. It takes place on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And there's a killer waiting outside for them and basically they can't leave the atm booth because they're gonna get killed killed and one by one as they leave the atm they start getting killed and it turns into like an all-out christmas eve survival horror film mm-hmm. it's pretty good actually i mean it's corny but it's definitely yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like it Chris. it is it fuck fantastic. you fuck you it sounds fantastic so what about have, It's a Wonderful Life? I was about to say, What's well, It's a Wonderful Life yeah. is definitely a horror film, though I wouldn't call it a horror film about the holidays. That's a horror film about everything that's unfair about life. Yeah. yeah. About everything that can go wrong to you in your life going wrong and just learning, finding a way to accept it. Doesn't The character at the end, he isn't so much defeated as he reaches he achieves self-actualization he realizes all the things that have gone wrong in his life and accepts them for what they are when he's shown what a life would be like you said scott about what life would be if he didn't exist yeah well and like the abuse that takes place with young george bailey with the pharmacist that stuff the hearing loss the hearing loss like this is not an easy life for this guy and and you know Everything gets lost to the bank. All this bad, bad stuff happens. He wants to go overseas on a honeymoon with his wife, and he finds out that he's stuck taking care of the bank. He can't yeah. leave the town. He's he's trapped. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, there, there are horror elements to this movie, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. I can't ever watch this movie again, to be honest with you. Too depressing. I've... It's depressing, but we watched this movie every christmas eve with my parents for like 20 years mm-hmm. and honestly like That's i enough. can i can recite that movie line for line as much as i appreciate the story in as much as i appreciate jimmy stewart in this movie i mean what 
a fucking powerful performance in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's grade A perfection across the board. Everything yeah. about the movie is perfect. The way it's shot, the way they could pull off such a progressive story so early on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But um, I just can't watch it again. It took a few years for me to really get it. It was I felt like when I first saw it, I was too young to really understand what was going on and why, why these things that were happening to him would lead him to want to take his own life because he contemplates it at one point in the whole movie is the intervention the 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 uh, heavenly intervention with his guardian angel but up to that point the movie is just listing off all the things that went wrong in his life and all the reasons that he should have to kill himself yeah it's pretty heavy stuff yeah when you break it down but oh. but yeah great great movie um one one of the timeless greats, definitely. And yes, it is a horror film. I do agree. Mm. So one that we have not talked about, but I have not seen, but I don't see that we cannot talk about it tonight. And maybe this will be our last one mm-hmm. is Rare Exports. Christmas Tale. I have not seen Never this seen movie. That either. I haven't either. Oh yeah, I thought oh. you did see it. <laughs> nope. Well then, we're fucking done. Then we're fucking <laughs> done here. Do yeah. Any more we want to throw out there? Um, I'm gonna throw Wake and Fright out there, even though the only Christmas element that it has is that it takes place during December, and that there's a few Christmas trees, but it's set in the outback. And one major horror element of that film is that in the outback, it's an open desert, and there's just nothing, as far as the eye can see, but desert. So they're celebrating Christmas in this open desert. And the movie is basically about a teacher who he's going to go back to New York. He stops in one town to get a beer and he gets caught up in the drinking culture of Australia. And he just goes on this increasingly depraved downward spiral, um, including going on a drunken outback kangaroo hunt with real kangaroo hunting, real kangaroos being shot on camera. Gross. And lots of increasingly vile drunken behavior like beer after beer after beer after beer more more drinking in this movie than any other film i've seen and it was lost for decades and it was slated to be destroyed when they rescued it at the last minute it's from the director of first blood if that should tell you what kind of movie you're in store for and technically it takes place during the holidays but it one thing the movie does really well is it shows how little that holiday means to Australia because there's no snow, there's no winter. It's like being in the summer, but they're singing Christmas carols in the dead of summer. That scares (laughs) me. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. It is weird. It's so weird. And of the movies we mentioned tonight, that's easily the most horrific one on the list. That's, That's a total horror show. When was this movie out? 1971. And it was lost for decades and it was only recently discovered and the last print that they discovered was very faded it was very dark so they had to really go through a lot of restoration work to bring it halfway back to life and um it it got recently reappraised among re-releases like martin scorsese really praised it big time and it was on a lot of uh, top 10 lists for the year but it was lost for almost 30 years um, and there was a lot of dialogue about it being from the director of Rambo, like this was his first movie. Yeah. And yep. 
it being <laughs> like his one Sorry. movie that signified him as an auteur and not just a director for hire. Right. So getting off the horror topic, but staying on Christmas. Yeah. What are our favorite like Christmas movies? Like, what movie do you watch every year at Christmas? Do you guys have any? The Ralph. Snowman. Yeah, for me, it's Elf. Every year, we have to watch Elf now. The Ref. The Ref. Fucking I yeah. Watch it every year. So I've got kids, so we always have to watch one movie. In- the Ref. Um, and I I said this before the show, going off the horror subject of this. Um. Uh, while it's not considered a Christmas movie, for some reason, I watch The Godfather every Christmas. Because it is, on the timeline, it is during Christmas. Right, right. Um, there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple of scenes where Tom Hagen's carrying presents and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know. And the Turks like, oh, Tom Hagen, Merry Christmas. You know, yeah, stuff like that. yeah. So, you know, is it a Christmas film? Not by far. But it's got that feel, though. It's got why. those elements yeah. to it. Uh, but the ref... <laughs> it's I a have not seen play. that in Fucking so great long. movie. It's Dennis Leary is at the top of his game. I've never seen a person get so angry in a film before. It's fucking great, man. He cracks me up. He's so funny. Your husband isn't dead. He's hiding. <laughs> I mean, just, there's so many great one-liners, and it's just a fun. You know, it's speaking of Kevin Spacey. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. He's yeah, in that. He's in I that forgot. Movie. And Ooh. he's got some great dialogue in that movie. There's. He's got some great just. He, when he flips out and starts going off on people. Because he's the husband in it, right, Kevin yeah. Spacey? Yeah. Who's the wife? I can't remember. Oh, I always forget her name. She Wasn't she in uh, Beetlejuice? Gina Davis. Not Gina Davis. Winona Ryder? No. Catherine O'Hara? <laughs> Catherine O'Hara. Okay. It's Catherine O'Hara. Who's also in Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. And A Neighbor yeah. Before Christmas. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, Judy Jeff- Davis. It must be totally fucked uh, that whole thing. What, Judy Davis? It's Judy Davis. Oh, God. I'm Judy sorry. Davis from... Uh, Catherine O'Hara, who the hell Nick is that? Lunch, Judy Davis? Yes. That's what it sounds like. Who the like. Catherine O'Hara that? I don't know, but it's Judy Davis. Oh, what the hell? Yeah, it's Judy Davis, yo. But the ref just has some... Just, you know, Kevin Spacey delivers some really great lines. Um, My top Christmas movie, I mentioned it briefly, was the animated film The Snowman by uh, Raymond Briggs. That yep. was based off of his book. And, uh, you know, it, it could have been Frosty the Snowman, but it winds up being this wordless uh, musical I remember seeing exercise. that. It won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short. And I think a few years later, the same team of filmmakers got together to, to make the nuclear holocaust animated film... Uh, when the wind blows with which That's has a horror movie original music by david bowie and roger waters but anyway um it just captures the essence of the christmas spirit and what it means for family members to get together and celebrate yeah. and the memory of it even after they've gone the you know their lives have passed on they leave behind these memories that'll be cherished forever i remember seeing that that was it was beautiful National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can't ever, can't really forget that. Yeah, shitter's full. I mean, that's just that's a class. I mean, another bit of Chevy Chase just flipping the hell out, which is just a. We're gonna have the happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. (laughs) Yeah, the the one, the part of that film that always had me is like the house that they were in took such a beating. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, I, if that was me, I would have a heart attack just alone having that many people in the house. Squirrel. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that many people in the house just would get, would get would screw me up and all the horrible things that happens in that movie, the hilarious things that happens in that movie. Here's a weird connection for you. We were talking about horror and Christmas. Did you know the composer for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is Angelo Badlamenti? Really? David Lynch's composer who regularly does the all That's the creepy crazy. all the creepy scores for Lynch's work. It was Badlamenti's doing for Holy Christmas crap. Vacation. And Diane Ladd's in it, another Lynch crony. Wow. As uh, Chevy Chase's mother. Yeah. And um She's always good. She's good in everything. Yeah. Yeah. And really, that was, you know, it was Randy Quaid's movie. He was basically playing himself because yeah. a few years later he went nuts. He did. Loudmouth freak. <laughs> yeah, but no, we watch Elf every year. Um, I just love James Caan in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a dick from the beginning until the end. And when he, that end scene happens, when they're. At the park, yeah. At the end, yeah. and he starts singing with everybody. I cry every time because I'm like, he's finally broke. He's finally a real dad. He's my dad. <laughs> You're my dad. Yeah, that movie's awesome. Um, you can't forget a Christmas story. I mean, I know it's an obvious one. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a it's a classic. I, I mean, think we're gonna get into all those next on the next to, episode. Yeah, I we'll, saw we'll riff on that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I saw a Christmas story uh, at the theater this weekend. Uh, a few years back, we got the soundtrack on CD for A Christmas Story as a gift, and we tried listening to it, and I couldn't listen to it because it's all horror music. It's all, like, scary music. <laughs> like, all that little, you know, all those little bits of music that you hear throughout, like when he's decoding the secret message yeah. and yeah. this horror music. All the music on the soundtrack is like that. I'm like, this is, this is not listenable Christmas music. <laughs> right. So... In a way, you could make that argument that there's there's a horror element in a Christmas story because yeah. that music is on its own is played for scares, in my opinion. Well, and I mean, the I mean, bad I, guy in that movie is scary as fuck too. Zach Ward, <laughs> yeah, who later played one of the one of the characters in Freddy vs. Jason, the yeah. guy who is coming out of the bathtub, and he also plays the killer in this film he directed, which I think we reviewed some time back. That was horrible. It was bad, but... I've talked to Zach a couple times. Um, yeah, so... Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas is another one to throw out there. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that or not before. Which one? Emmett, Emmett Otter's Jug oh, Band yeah. Christmas. Yep. I don't want... Well, we're going to probably visit this yeah. in another episode, but that right there is the motherfucker. We'll, we'll talk about that next time, though. All right, everybody. This was episode 68. Not our best episode, but hey, we're back. You love us. That's all that matters. This is a tough, this is a tough subject. It really is. I told you that. And we talked about this earlier today, and I'm like, fuck you, Chris. <laughs> Just wait for episode 69. Mm -mm, it's going to be tasty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No pun intended. Oh, God. Bye. Stay hungry. Merry Christmas, yo. We're going to do another Christmas show. Yeah. Aren't we? Yeah, we are. So maybe we should say Merry Christmas then. Uh, we'll say Merry Christmas all month long. Merry fucking Christmas. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes. <laughs>